in a series called the book of Daniel. It's so creative, I know, right? Uh, but the book of Daniel, and uh, as a church, we like to do topical studies, but we also like to just open up God's word uh, on a specific book and begin to teach and learn and read through that particular book. And this book is, is pretty eye-opening because there are pieces in this book that can be a little harder to understand. And how does that apply to our lives uh, here today in 2022? And, but as we read scripture, we're going to see how relevant this book is for us in our day and time. And so last week we talked about Daniel chapter 1. And we saw this story begin to unfold. But what I want to do is pray for us. Because today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter 2. If you don't, I'm gonna, we're going to put the uh, scripture for you on the screens there as well. But Daniel chapter 2 will be there in just a minute. Uh, I just want to pray for us. Ask God to speak to our hearts during this time. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for, uh, God, just allowing us to be a part of what you're doing, not only right here in the low country, but all over the world. God, that you have uh, worked through your church and your people to where we're able to give and we're able to send people to uh, international missions. And we're able to continue to work with Freddie and Samuel as they share the gospel, God, as they see people come to know you, walk in community, God. I just pray that you would empower them. God, I pray that you give them the resources they need. I pray that you uh, just give them encouragement as they just walk through a hurricane and have all of these pieces that they're, they're playing against. God, I pray that you encourage them in the word, that you would give them strength to continue to preach the gospel all over the world. God, I pray that you would uh, speak during this time. I pray that the gospel will begin to speak to our hearts. I pray that uh, I would decrease, God, so that you may increase. I pray that your word would just move forward in our minds and in our hearts. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I began to think about Daniel chapter 2, and I thought about this story uh, with my kids. And maybe if you have had kids or uh, just been around young kids, or maybe you remember when you were a kid, uh, there's this phase in their life when they think they can do way more than they really can. And I'm talking about physically. You know, it's kind of, for me, it was the ages of like three to five. And every time we bring the groceries home, we got to kind of rally the troops, right? And so it's like, hey, let's go help get the groceries. Let's go, right? And so all my kids go out to the car and this is what they do, especially the boys. They're like kind of looking in the car, you know, they're like, mm, let me, uh, they're looking for the heaviest one, right? They're looking for like the milk, the orange juice, uh, where, you know, and they're feeling it like, oh, that one's too light. I don't even want, I don't even want to fool with that one, right? And then they, they find it. I'm like, I'll get that one. You get this one. They're like, no, no, no. This is the one I want. I'm going to take this one. I got it, dad. I got it. I'm strong, right? So they kind of drag the milk to the edge and then whew, it kind of goes down and you're like, please don't bust, please don't bust, right? And so they're just, they'll do a moment of spurt, especially at that age. And you know, they, they still are learning how to talk and their speech and like, it's heavy, right? And they'll go and then they'll make it almost to the door, right? And then they'll stop and then they'll go, it's too heavy, Daddy. Can you get it? <laughs> right? It's too heavy. Can you get it? And, you know, we'll switch. I'm like, here, just take the bread. And they run in and, and throw it on the counter. But I, I remember thinking about that story, reflecting on that story, that there's so many times in life where I do the same thing with God. Right? I, I'll look at my life and I'll begin to pile on the things in my life and going, I got this. I can carry it, God. I can do this. I can do that. And God, call me to this. And let's 
let's do this. And all of a sudden, I'm just carrying all of this weight in life. It could be the weight of other people. It could be the weight of my own expectations. Whatever that may be, I just start to pile it on, right? And I feel like sometimes God just steps back and he's like, do you want me to help? Right? It's like, okay, God, I got it. I got it. We're going to do this. I, I can do it. I can just power through, muscle through. I can make this happen, right? And God's stepping back going, do you want me to help? Do you want me to help? And it comes to a moment where you and myself have to have a moment with God of going, oh, it's too heavy. I can't carry this on my own anymore. I can't do this by myself. I need your help, God. I need your strength. And it doesn't matter which age we are because you may be a student in the house. We have quite a few students where you may be feeling the weight of school and friends and trying to manage your parents' expectations and all of these pressures that you're carrying, right? And you're like, just keep piling it on. I'll keep pushing through. I'll keep making it happen, right? And there's a moment where we say, ah, can't do that anymore. I can't carry all of that weight. And you maybe it could be with your spouse. It could be at work, right? Where we're at work and we're saying, I, I just want to carry this all, but it takes a moment. And it is a pivotal moment in our relationship with God where we have that surrender moment of going, God, I just can't do it all anymore. I, I can't carry it by myself. And here's the thing is that this is what happens to me. I have that surrender moment and then some time passes and then I have it again because, right, I go, I go back. I, I'm a little rested now. God took that and healed me from that or he gave me strength during that moment. Now it's kind of creeped back in and I'm carrying it all again and I'm holding on to that. But I believe there's a powerful moment in our relationship with God when we invite him into our lives and constantly allow him to do the work in us and do the work through us. And when we can feel those moments of t- tension, of where I have to make this happen. I have to do everything. We feel that pressure. And when we get to Daniel chapter 2, this story reminds us of this tension. This story reminds us of, of what, the, what we can do in our relationship with God and how this can play out. And just to catch everybody up, uh, we have these four guys that the book of Daniel really follows. is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Daniel's name is changed to Belshazzar. It's kind of a crazy name to say, but he changes his name to Belshazzar, but they still refer to him as Daniel in the book of Daniel, where they are Hebrew boys, Jewish boys who were taken captive by a city uh, called Babylon, a nation called Babylon. And in fact, uh, Jerusalem is taken over in three different waves. The first wave, about 10,000 people were taken captive. And among those people were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, there were two more waves where Babylon went back into Jerusalem, back into uh, where, the, where God's people were being held and were taking people captive until the third time that it happened where Jerusalem was destroyed. And so we see this begin to play out. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're on the front end of this captivity. They're on the front end of everybody coming into Babylon, and they're trying to figure life out because it just just got turned upside down. They have one way of living in their Jewish godly community, and then now they have been ripped from that community, and they're living in a place called Babylon where they worship other gods. And the uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to see later as an emperor, he uh, takes over this reign where he calls himself Lord. He, call, he calls for people to worship him. And so we see this 
uh, battle begin to happen in their lives. In Daniel chapter 1, we see how they play this dilemma out. And they start to trust God with the little. They become faithful in the little. They try to change their diet against the Jewish tradition and uh, the Jewish laws. And they stand in faith in God and trust God. And God begins to move and work. And we see another situation here. Right again, right off the bat in Daniel chapter 2. But I want to read this because Daniel is around the time of Jeremiah as well. Maybe you've heard of Jeremiah. He's nicknamed the weeping prophet because he was prophesying. And it seemed like he was just in lament the whole time. He was saying, you have to turn from this and turn from God. This is going to happen to you as a nation. But in Jeremiah 29, maybe you've heard of Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous verse, you've seen it on things. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and uh, all these, the aspect of it. But in Jeremiah, in the upper parts of Jeremiah chapter 29, he is prophesying to the Jewish people. And he's saying, you're living in Babylon now, but he gives them a command from God of how to live in Babylon. And so this is what he says. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray that pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Isn't that eye-opening, right? Jeremiah calls the people and he says, hey, you're going to be in exile. In fact, this is happening to you. So what I want you to do is not to pull away because sometimes we think we need to assimilate into culture. Just absorb into culture and begin to take shape of what culture looks like. And God is saying, no, that's not what I want you to do. Or we could say, "I, I need to separate, right? I need to create my own little community, my own bubble and get away from Babylon, get away from the world. That way we cannot be in, uh, taken captive because of their thought and the way they live. But God says, actually, I've called you to transform culture. You're, you're in culture for a reason. You're in your area for a reason, right? You're in the low country for a reason. And I'm calling you to transform it, not to assimilate, not to separate, but to transform the culture that is around you. And last week we talked about this. We are called to transform it, but to do it God's way, right? He shows us how to navigate that. And anytime we read the Old Testament, we have to overlay it and look at it through the lens of the New Testament. Look at it through the lens of what has been fulfilled in Christ. And so when we read it, we can compare it to the New Testament. And this is where we get here in Daniel chapter 2. And what is happening in Daniel chapter 2 is King Neb, just for short, he is getting these awful dreams. just keeping him up at night. He's being tormented. Maybe you've had terrible dreams before. Just wake you up in the middle of the night. The other night, uh, I woke up. It was 4.30 a.m. And I heard the doorbell go off. But it was my dream. So I'm I'm like looking at our camera. I'm like checking the door, right? Just It's crazy what dreams can do. You wake up. Sometimes you're out of breath. You're in a sweat because they can seem so real. Well, this dream with King Nebuchadnezzar seems so real. He's tormented by it. In fact, he's like, I have to know what this dream means. It has to mean something, right? And so he calls all these wise men that he have. He labels them wise men. He calls them the magicians. He calls in all of these different people we see in scripture. And he tries to get them. He says, what does this mean? You're supposed to be wise. You're supposed to know this. Tell me what my dream means. I'm being tormented by it. So this is where we are in Daniel chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 10. 
And, the, and he asked them to interpret it. And this is their response here. Everybody still doing okay? Yeah, very good. Uh, verse 10. The astrologers replied to the king, No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among his people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. We're starting to see a, a, a pattern here with Daniel, right? Daniel chapter 1, he handled that situation with wisdom. And here he is again with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him of all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show him his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. There are so many principles that we can get here. And the first thing I wanted to, to point out for us to realize and to see is that this happened to Daniel and his friends, right? Like did, Daniel did not make this happen out of his bad choices, right? Like this happened to Daniel. In fact, Daniel, we see in Daniel chapter one, he's trying to follow God faithfully, but yet this still happens to him. This still, this, this trial, this trouble, this um, almost facing death is happening to him. It's out of his control. He can't control it, right? And so for you and I, we need to realize there are things in our life that are outside of our control. There are things that are going to happen to us because we live in a broken world and people are broken. That broken things are going to happen to us and around us. But a principle for you and I to understand is we can't control what happens to us, but we can control our response to that situation. We see what Daniel does in his response. He, this is happening to him. And in that moment, he could have said, woe is me. Why is this happening to me, God? And tucked him away and just accepted his faith, right? That this was going to happen. And I, this all happened for a reason. All these different things could have played out in his mind, right? If he took on the mindset of, I have to do this. I got to figure this thing out. What am I going to do? Do we need to, right? They could have got together and said, hey, let's create an escape plan, right? Like, let's find tunnels out of here. Let's start digging our way. All of these different aspects, they could have began to happen. But for you and I, we can look back and go, you know what? I can't control everything that happens to me on Monday. And on Tuesday, because I can't control other people. I can't control the world around me. But what I can do is offer a response that is Christ-like. What I can do is say, you know what? My faith was never in that situation. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in what he has called me to do and how he has called me to live. 
Now, I didn't say it was going to be easy, right? I didn't say that it just kind of happens to us. But the, the more, as we read in uh, John chapter 15, it says that remain in me, right? And when we remain in Christ, he begins to produce the spiritual fruit in us. Remember, we have to overlay it with the New Testament. And he begins to do that work, that fruit in us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It is the fruit that comes out of us. Even the situation doesn't control that. All of that happens in us from the Holy Spirit working inside of our hearts and with our souls and with our minds as he is transforming us. But sometimes we need to release the pressure of this didn't happen the way I thought and this is not happening the way I thought, right? And I want to hold on to that of going, why did this happen? What is going on? Like, you know, we're wrestling through all of that, but it's not for you and I to hold on and wrestle with that. We are not God. We cannot see all things. We can let that go and trust God and go, God, I can't control that. I'm trusting that you are controlling this and I'm praying that you're going to work in this situation somehow some way. I'm just going to keep taking those faith steps. And then we see here in verse 16, Daniel does something, right? Uh, he, Daniel's like, hey, hey, I love how the Bible describes him with wisdom and discretion, right? He has wisdom in this moment. And he's like, hey, tell me the problem. Tell me what's going on. Before you send us out to, to execute us, can I at least hear what's going on? Can I at least hear what's happening? And then the, the guard tells them the problem. You and I, every time somebody gives us a problem or we face a problem, we can look at the problem that is happening to us, right? And we can carry the weight of, I can't believe this is happening. Or we can look at it through the lens of, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for God to do a work in me and through me to solve this problem. I, I love leadership as well. And when you and I are leaders and we're working out in our community, every time we see a problem as a Christian, our ears should perk up a little bit, right? Like, ooh, maybe that's an opportunity. Maybe there's a moment for God to do a work through his church. Like, oh, right. And all of a sudden we're leaning in now going, oh, what's the problem in our area as we lean into that? But this is what Daniel does and I think this is important for you and I as soon as he realized what the problem was he took a moment and he took a step back and he brought that problem to God and so I'd love for us to believe this principle that Daniel did is to go to God first and most go to God first and most and sometimes it's hard for us to do because we may receive a problem or something may happen to us and our mind I don't know about you but our mind can begin to race it can begin to go off in all of these trails all of these tangents I don't know what's going on this is what I need to do this is what I need to happen and I've been trying in my relationship with God to take a step back and go okay let me pray for wisdom real quick. Let me pray for discernment. Let me pray, God, what do you want me to do? I start, I'm just asking God directly. God, I need help with this situation, with this situation, with this person, with this circumstance. God, can you give me wisdom? And there are many times where all of a sudden this idea will come into my mind. It's like, oh, okay, right? And then I could play that off like, whoa, Daniel is so smart, right? He just played that. But I have to remember there's a moment of James tells us, ask for wisdom. And he is faithful to give it to us. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us and works with our mind and works with our souls, works with our emotions. And it begins to shape us and to give us that wisdom and discernment, but it takes a moment of going, I can do this. I'm going to figure this out, but it takes a moment for us to go, you know what? I'm going to God first, and I'm going to go to God most. I'm going to go to God first, 
and I'm going to go to God most, right? And I'm not, I'm not here saying every time you pray, it's like that light bulb moment, every time. That's why I say God first and most, because it's that dependence on him. It's that clinging to him and trusting in him and our relationship of going, God, I believe you're doing this. But this is what Daniel does. He gives God an opportunity to work in this moment. He gives God an opportunity to work through him. We can't, we're not, we don't come to God and demand him to do anything, right? He is God. He is all authority. But I give him an opportunity to work through me. I give it, you give him an opportunity to work through you when we stop and say, God, can you help me in this? And then another thing very similar to this is a lot of times we go to God first and we got to go, 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 go to God most. But all, this is another thing that Daniel does here in verse uh, 17. Let me read it for you real quick. It says, then Daniel went home and told his friends and and I and Michelle and Azariah what had happened. Right. And he urged them. To ask God of heaven to show them mercy by telling them the secret. So Daniel not only goes to God first and most, but Daniel goes to his friends, his godly community and says, Hey, this is going on in my life or this is going on in your life. We're about to be, this is the problem. Let's pray together. And we see this principle begin to play out because in Matthew chapter 18, it says for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am among them. And there's power in community and there's power in praying in community. And we see in James chapter 5 again where he says for the prayers of the righteous. When we confess our sins, when we walk in community together and we begin to pray together. Something begins to stir in us and in a community that God responds to that prayer, that community prayer. So you and I, again, if we're trying to hold on to that, right? This is just between me and God, right? This is just. It. It's between me and God. I'm not going to invite anybody into it. But God says a part of godly community is, is having that vulnerable moment of going, hey, I'm not saying get up here on stage on Sunday morning and tell everybody. But he had his three, his close who he knew were Christians. He knew were following God closely, who knew they were for him. They weren't just going to take it as gossip and run with it. Right. He had his circle and he said, hey, this is going on. Let's pray together. Let's allow this to happen. And I'm telling you, if you and I can get to that kind of community, that, that's the hope. That's the picture where we just don't come to church with our mask on and everything's okay and it's all right all the time. And we want to be hopeful. But there are seasons of life when we know everything's not okay. When we need godly community, we need to come together, right? And we see earlier in the Old Testament where Moses is getting tired and Aaron comes and they have to hold his hand hands up because he's getting tired there are moments in our life where we need godly community to hold us up to help us pray for wisdom to help us pray for discernment god what should i do in this moment because god may speak a piece of wisdom in them and then they tell you and then now i, I know we're walking in this or god kind of whispers something to you and it's the same thing to them and all of a sudden you get confirmation okay god is moving in this and I need, to, I need to surrender. I need to answer and walk in this because there's power in godly community. And Daniel shows us this. But it takes a moment for you and for myself, right, to go, you know what? Can we pray together on this? Can we walk in this? And my encouragement, maybe you feel like you don't have that circle. 
My hope is, is that as you lean into church and a local church, a bridge church, and that you can find that circle. We want to help you find that circle. Because if you're hungry for it, I promise you, we're going to lean into that with you as you're walking in this. And so there's an opportunity for you and I to do that, to have that moment. Because let me, let me just spoiler alert, we all don't have it all together. We are all wrestling with something, right? There's moments in our life when that happens. And it's an opportunity for us to walk together in this. And we see that. And then here we go. So we see in Daniel chapter 2, this begins to happen. They go to God first and most. They pray together as a community. And God, in who is rich in mercy, that is his nature. That is who he is. He doesn't have to muster that up. He doesn't have to like exercise before. That is his essence. It's who he is. He is love. He is mercy. Mercy. God is good, right? And so anytime we go to him as his children's dependent, clinging on to what he has to say, he loves to give mercy he, because it's who he is. He loves to pour out his love. It's a part of who he is. And as he does that for us, as we're walking in his love and in his mercy, we see how he begins to answer Daniel. And he gives them this whole vision and, and, and painted out all of this. And we don't have time to pick through all of that today, but Daniel begins to prophesy about how uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon are going to reign for this amount of time. And then the Romans are going to come in and reign for this amount of time. And you're going to see this kind of play out all all the way through to Jesus's time and how Daniel lays out this city's going to come. They're going to be destroyed. Then this city's going to come. Then they're going to be destroyed. This city's going to come. They're going to be destroyed. And even to the point where he's calling out precious metals that those people are known for. It's incredible. He talks about the, the legs of iron and how the Romans are going to come and how they revolutionized iron in their empire. And so Daniel's calling these things out years before they are happening because he's interpreting this dream. And then we get to this. And as he interprets that dream right there with King Nebuchadnezzar we see here in verse 26 and the king's response and I love this it says the king said to Daniel also known as Belteshazzar is it true can you tell me what my dream was and what it means Daniel replied can, can we just step into what's happening with Daniel right now because this is a lot of faith right you're getting ready to be executed and he goes wait let me pray. Give me one night. Let me pray to God. Let me get my, my friends, my group, my crew. Let me get them on it. We're going to pray too. We're going we're gonna to pull an all-nighter. We're going to pray and God give us this vision. That in itself is faith, right? And then for God to give him a revelation of what that dream, we don't know if it was a vision. We don't know if it was a whisper in his ear. We don't know what that is. But then to have the faith to go to the king and go, oh, this is what your dream meant. And he has no clue what his dream. He didn't know about all the things that he saw. And he begins to tell the king everything that happened to a T. But that whole time, Daniel didn't know if it was right. He's trusting God that it is right, right? He didn't know. He didn't already have a pre-conversation with somebody and then play this out. So I just think about the faith of Daniel. Who said, wait, wait, I'm going to give God a chance. Let me pray to him. And then God gives him a word or gives him a vision. And he has the faith to speak it out, right? And not only does it affect him, but affects everybody around him. And I, and I know he just comes and he begins to speak that. And I believe that's important for you and I because there's moments of faith where we may not have it all figured out. But I, you and I can go back and go, I know this is what God said, though. 
It's what his word said. And the Bible for us is a direct revelation of who God is. And every time we speak scripture, it is powerful. It is alive. It is an active. And it is a revelation of who God is every time we speak his word. And so we have an opportunity to do that. And then Daniel, I love Daniel's reply. This is so good. It says this, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. I love that. That's the title of my message. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. What an incredible testimony for Daniel. He says and nobody can, He points that out. Hey, your wise men, your magicians, your fortune tellers that you're calling on, they didn't know and they said nobody could know but my God there is a God in heaven and that is so important for you and I because we live in a world that is slowly moving away from God and we have an opportunity to say but there is a God in heaven there is a God in heaven and he reveals things he gives wisdom he gives discernment and as Christians we stand as a city on a hill and we can declare and any time we can go back we talk about apologetics as proving who God is and that God is real and that's why reading his it's the stories in the old testament they're not irrelevant anymore it's a testimony hey God showed up here God showed up here his promises are true go back if you want to do an incredible study go back and track all of God's promises of what he said and how it played out all throughout the old testament and the new and it's so incredible because his track record is perfect and you and I, we can go back and declare, but there is a God in heaven. And Daniel doesn't go back and go, hey, you need to promote me. I figured this wisdom thing out. I figured the puzzle out. But what does he do? He gives God all the credit. He says, hey, all I did was go and ask the God of heaven's armies. I went and asked God and he revealed this to me. You and I, we need to make it a habit of giving God credit in our lives. When things like this begin to happen, and it's so easy to pass it off as coincidence, right? Or I can't believe this happened. Or I worked so hard, which that may be true, right? But we see that the Bible teaches us that all those good things come down from heaven. And even though we had a part to play for sure, right? Like God gives us responsibility. But at the end of the day, we have an opportunity to point, hey, there is a God of heaven. And he began to open up these doorways for me. Or he gave me strength in this valley. Or he gave me wisdom of how to handle this. Oh, he gave me discernment of how this began to play out inside of my life. And now we become a testimony that there is a God in heaven because he is working in us and through us. And if you don't know where to start to prove that there's a God in heaven start with scripture start with stories that you know have happened that are historical that we read all through the new old testament and new we can start there because then there are moments in our own testimony that we can begin to declare right as we begin to see oh God worked in this situation in my life God moved in this situation in my life and this is how I know and we can see all of this all through creation 
of how God created all of these things and the fingerprints in us and how we eat, how we have a moral code. There's something in human beings that wants us to distinguish between right and wrong. And we had to get that from somewhere, right? Because you can't say, well, my parents, their parents, their parents, we got to trace it all the way back, right? At some point, it had to play out. And we see the fingerprint of God, the timing of God. His creation, if the earth was just, just a few feet away, gravity would even work. We wouldn't even allow to be living on the earth, right? All these pieces begin to play out. But there is a God in heaven. And you and I have an opportunity every day to declare that. But there is a God in heaven and we can rest and trust in him. And as we read Daniel chapter 2, we see what he does in his life. And it gives us encouragement. And my prayer is it gives us hope. Because maybe you're sitting here today, you're listening to me online. And you're in a moment or a situation in your life where you're questioning, is God even real? And I'm here to declare to you today, but there is a God in heaven and he is still moving. He is still working. And the Bible says, if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Keep taking those steps towards God. And he begins to peel those layers and those, those layers back in our lives. And the scales begin to fall off. And we see God do a mighty work in us and through us. As we continue to trust him, but it takes the moment, just as I was talking about at the beginning of the message, of God, God, I can't do this all on my own. I've come to the end of myself. God, I need you to show me which way to go. And that it could, you could be a, an elementary school, you could be a new parent, you could be an empty nester, you could be in retirement. You could, no matter where we are, that will continue to sneak back up, right? And, but it's a moment every time for us to go, you know what, I am a living sacrifice before God. God, I need your wisdom. I need your clarity in this. And God begins to give it to us. He is faithful. He is love. He is rich in his mercy. And he's all he's asking from us is surrender to him, surrender to his call. And so that's my prayer today. Uh, I, I'd love to pray for us, uh, pray for you as a church as well. And if you're sitting in here, you've never given your life to Christ before. I'd love to pray with you right now as you can have a moment to surrender your life to him and start a relationship with God. The Bible says placing your faith in him, that you believe that there is a God in heaven. And that his name is Jesus. And he came down and he died on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins. And you believe that three days later he rose again to conquer sin and conquer death. And your belief, your faith in Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, if you uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, then you will be saved. That's an opportunity for us to surrender that to God. So let's pray together. I love to pray with you. If you've never prayed that prayer before of, of surrender, of giving your life to Christ, just pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it. Uh, you can repeat it to yourself or uh, in your head. You're, you're having this moment with God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I've come to the end of myself. I know that I am separated from you because of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. I ask that you would save me, God. Continue to change me. If you prayed that prayer today, I'd love for you to fill out a connect card, which is right there in your seats. But I want to pray for us as a church. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, thank you so much uh, that you are rich in mercy. 
God, that we can come to you and you will give us wisdom. You'll give us discernment, God. As we read in Daniel chapter 2, my prayer is that we will go to you first, that we will come together as a community, begin to pray together and ask you to move on our behalf. God, I also pray uh, that we would make it a habit of giving you credit of how you're working and moving in our lives, God. God, and I pray that we as a church are open and vulnerable of saying, hey, this is going on. Will you pray with this for me? Can you pray uh, that God would move in this particular situation, God? And we're praying that you would give us wisdom in this. We don't have all the answers, God, but we serve you and you have all the answers. We serve you. We trust you, God. We may not see all the pieces come to play. But we pray that you will move in our individual lives. God, move in the situations that are happening around us. We love you. We trust you, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.